Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Caimes, and this is Ellas. Welcome back to AES. I'm your host, Brenda hernandez Jaimes. I want to thank you for joining me on another inspiring conversation. For today's guest, for episode 43, I have the honor of introducing today's guest, Zeta Farsa. She is another amazing Latina who is empowering our younger generation to be proud of their cultural heritage and to also be multilingual. Sarah is half Mexican and half Iranian and grew up speaking Spanish, Farsi, and English. She's from LA and graduated from UCLA with a BA in English. From there, Sarah moved to Mexico City and later New York City, where she taught high school and waited tables for a year before getting the idea to start her own educational company when she was only 24 years old. A lover in music, language, and culture, her intention was to create a space to celebrate diversity with children. In 2006, with zero business experience, Sarah launched Bilingual Birdies, a foreign language and live music program for children up to age six in New York City after months of passing out flyers and public playgrounds, which yielded a total of three enrolled students, two of which were her twin nieces. She bootstrapped every step of the way and even invested her own saved up tip money to start. Soon after, she became the recipient of the Lenovo Hearts of Business Entrepreneurship Award, which is a 25000 prize, as well as a Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship Pitch Competition, a 20000 prize. After completing Goldman Sachs' 10,000 Small Businesses Program, Sarah began to set the framework to build an online platform that would help her expand nationally. Today, Bilingual Birdie teaches Spanish, French, Mandarin, and English to thousands of children per week across 21 cities in the U.S., Canada, and Australia through their online training program, which certifies and licenses bilingual and educators to launch their own bilingual birdies businesses in their own city. Enrolled families benefit from, from original bilingual birdies products, such as bilingual ebooks, music albums, and the most adorable bird puppets you have ever seen in your entire life. Under the leadership of Sera Farsam, bilingual birdies educators have traveled to Guanajuato, Mexico to volunteer and perform in the children's section of La Calaca Festival. They have also journeyed to Paris, France to train early educators on how to implement their methodology to teach English to children in a fun and musical way. Before COVID, they traveled to Nairobi, Kenya to volunteer at Little Ray of Hope, an informal preschool in Kowangwer, the country's second largest slum. Nearly 13 years of Sarah, nearly 13 years after Sarah started Bilingual Birdies, she's more motivated than ever to identify bilingual educators with an entrepreneurial spirit who are looking to share their language and culture with children, make money doing what they love, and transform their communities to encourage future generations of global thinking, open-minded humans. Please welcome Sara Farsa. Hi, hola, hola, hola. What a warm welcome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time and being here on Yes, And yes, being so open to, you know, sharing your story, sharing your journey of starting bilingual birdies, and just really empowering our younger generation to be multilingual and to be open and learning more languages so they can expand their lives, their minds, and ultimately their lives. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to share with all of you. Yes. 
my tips and tricks of the trade and secrets of how I was able to build my business, um, starting from the age of 24, as you mentioned, where I really didn't know anything about how to run a business, of course, just at that moment when I'm trying to figure things out in life, like many of us are at that time in your twenties, um, and even thirties and forties and beyond, you never know, right? Like life is always changing. So, um, it, it, entrepreneurship has really been something that has given my life so much um, purpose and starting bilingual birdies has really been such a meaningful journey for me so i'm happy to get started and share with you all excellent so before we begin i just want to learn you know a little bit about you and you can share with our listeners you know after all of these accomplishments i want to know like who is sarah and you know can share with us who is this amazing woman Oh, thanks. Yeah. So I'm Sarah and I started Bilingual Birdies um, 13 years ago in New York City. So I'm half Mexican and half Iranian. And I grew up in a family that was, you know, full of love and light and just a lot of different cultures and languages and foods (laughs) and music. And so I really was able to create my business as a result of the inspiration that I pulled from growing up in a multicultural home. You know, that was very normal for me to, you know, be speaking different languages kind of all at the same time. And, um, you know, it was, it was when I was little and of course, inside the home, everything was exciting and fun and, you know, able to be sort of free. And then when I was in school, it wasn't always something that was uh, something that I was so proud of, I guess I could say, growing up. Um, I'm from LA. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just sort of want to fit in. And I was not so much surrounded about around families uh, exactly like mine. Um, so I really wanted to just, you know, fit in with like the, the Courtney's and, you know, Katie's of the world. <laughs> um, but of course my family was different from them. So, uh, it took me some time as I was growing up, I think to, you know, really understand the bilingual advantage and in my case, trilingual advantage, right. Mm-hmm. And, and really get empowered through starting bilingual birdies to see what a benefit it is to bring all this uh, cultural heritage to the table and how it is actually a beautiful thing to be shared with others. So through my work, it's really been something that's helped me to feel empowered and excited about my authentic true self and, and be able to share that to help others celebrate that diversity within themselves as well. Oh, powerful. Thank you. And I want to know more about how was that journey like of you being fully embracing your authentic full self and as well embracing your multilingual you know you because that must have been a journey of wanting to fit in into the normal you know and but then discovering the beauty of the diversity that you know you were born into and you know the the gifts that that brings to your life and to others yeah, so I can I can tell you, um, sort of a very a very pivotal moment for me was you know I had just started bilingual birdies and you know I didn't have very many families that had enrolled in the classes just yet in the beginning, and I remember um, I launched it in New York City in Manhattan in Soho right and so you know Soho you hear it's like a very fashionable place like you know it's very it's very cool or whatever and so people would come to the door. And a lot of these people were from like entertainment or like I had some like famous singers that would sign up and models and all these like, you know, with their children. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like 
the majority of the people who had signed up in the beginning were just white American families, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought like, oh, wow, like you guys are here because, but do you have like a grandma or something that's from Puerto Rico or what's up? Like, how come you want to learn Spanish, you know? And they were like, no, we just want to learn Spanish because we understand that what an advantage this is. And, you know, we want our children to have that benefit to, to be bilingual. And this is so, so important for us, you know, to instill that into our child at this early age in life. And I was like, what? Like, you guys want to know about us? Like, that's so cool. Because I always envisioned that it was going to be like, you know, someone that was kind of like me, like, half Latina, half something else, or like had some connection to a Spanish speaking language, you know, uh, Spanish speaking country or whatnot. But that wasn't the case. Like the, the people that were coming in the beginning had no, no connection to any Spanish speaking countries and they were there to learn. And I got really excited about that because mm-hmm. I was thinking in that moment, okay, now we're doing something big because this is significant. You know, we are actually building a bridge between cultures and showing other people what it is to be from these cultures and share our languages and have a really, you know, positive introduction to learning about this other thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that these children can be set up to be more open-minded adults when they grow up. And that's very important, especially right now. Right. Yes. Yeah. I find that very interesting, you know, like, um, white American families, they know the importance of being bilingual, multilingual. They know the advantages, you know, it helps them further open doors. And it really saddens me when I hear the opposite for our Latino families, where they don't feel that pride in sharing their language to their children, because, you know, the reasons come of they don't want to be embarrassed, they or they don't want to be bullied, or they want to be able to make them adapt and, as you said, like be integrated part of the community they're surrounded in. But I feel that those type of families should also be in the same mindset as these white American families, you know, like realize the potential of the, how you can open the doors and pave the way for your life to have better opportunities because a language, like you said, you knew, well, it can take you to another country. It can take you to live a different experience in life. You know, you lived for some time in Mexico city and I myself did the same thing. So it gives you different life experiences and life lessons that you can ultimately apply later in life. And have you noticed that different change? You know, in the beginning, you said, a lot of white American families were coming for the, the service, but then later on, did you see a change of many Latino families just taking that ownership of, of pride and just in continuing that lesson of learning their uh, mother tongue to their children? I have, you know, we, because we've started 13 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, now I feel a lot of people, you know, entrepreneurship is, there's a lot of young people that are into entrepreneurship and starting things, you know, but back then it was kind of like a, oh, here's this like young girl starting a business. Like, what's this about, you know? And so I would notice that maybe people would come to drop their kids off, like in our classes or whatever. And they're like, who's running this place? You know? And you're like, oh, well I am. And they're like, well, you're so young. Like, what, what do you mean? You know? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I start, I'm an entrepreneur, you know? And so over the years, I've seen that more and more programs have popped up and of course families are now used to this like fun language program you know through music and movement and puppets and that's how we do it you know everyone has Mm -hmm. their own special way but it's more common nowadays and I think that is a testament to you know the fact that the Latinx community is really you know 
building themselves up and in an amazing way. And I'm so proud that people are, are more open to this and, um, you know, they're excited about it and willing to try. And I think that, yeah, you know, I understand why a lot of those families, you know, um, it was Spanish wasn't always the obvious, easy answer, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, um, that, you know, grew up having a hard time to sort of fit in and, you know, like be in this like homogenous box, like, you know, th there's a reason why they didn't want to speak Spanish in front of other people, you know, because they didn't want to be singled out. And I think that is still very much a problem today. Yes. And, and that's, that, that being said, thanks to programs and, you know, awareness and of course, social media and other Latinas out there crushing it and setting examples for all of us and paving the way, um, you know, and passing the torch on, you know, it's a moment where I feel that if we have ever been primed for a moment that it's all about celebrating diversity, it is right now, yes. you know, and I, I am just very, very hopeful about the future, um, given that fact. Yeah. And so I imagine, you know, you're in New York City, you know, in a very diverse, one of the most diverse cities in the U.S., in the world. And I imagine, obviously, it was like, of course, Sarah is starting bilingual birdies. It's just, it makes sense. Was it like that in the beginning? Um, even though they saw you as a young 24-year-old woman, like, but it made sense, I think, that, you know, to take that step. Was it like that? Yeah, I would say so because it is such an international place. And I feel that people, um, you know, were not like, okay, so anytime you're the first at doing something, you sort of need to educate the public, right? Mm -hmm. And we certainly were not the first. You know, there were other programs around that were teaching language, languages and there were other music programs for children, right? But I am I'm sure that we were the first at the time to combine language and music together, right? And to have like this really amazing early childhood education program that combined two mediums that were already going really well and, and, and put them together, right? Because a lot of the programs at that time were like using flashcards or, you know, only reading books, which is great, but it's just sort of more of a rote learning. And ours is like a circus, right? It's super fun. It's educational entertainment, you know? So with all the dancing and the music and the puppets that come out, it's really a, a very full experience, right? And dynamic. And I think that parents were, were ready for that sort of thing because they already knew that, you know, language learning was maybe important, but to see it done in a way that the children have a play-based mm -hmm. curriculum, taking them through these different actions, they don't even realize they're having so much fun. They don't realize how much they're learning, right? And when you're, you know, six years and under, your attention span is like five minutes, if even, right? So you have to really find a way to capture their attention and keep it moving and have it be super engaging. So all of our teachers, you know, they know how they've been trained, like how to engage the, the classroom, right? And I think that that is really what helps. Like parents are open to it because they see the benefits and they see the progress and it's, it's a, such a positive thing. So it's like, okay, yeah, like I want to try this one because this is different, right? Mm -hmm. And how was that, you know, that light bulb moment? Because obviously you are a lover of music. Um, I want to know, was that a way for you growing up in a multilingual um, family were you listening, you know, to music in Spanish and Farsi? And did that help you develop more um, to learn these languages? And, you know, along the way, did that, like, came into really 
consolidating bilingual birdies, like that concept. Right. Yeah, sure. So it's amazing. Like when, if anyone out there is thinking about starting a business, like, you know, I always recommend to just look around and see what's missing, right. And see how you can be the solution Mm -hmm. to a problem, for example, right. If something is missing, how can you go out there and create it and solve something? Right. And so for me, it was like, okay, well, I grew up in this house where I spoke a lot of languages and it was a very exciting place. Like we have a lot of holidays due to all of my different cultures. So we always had celebrations and there's always different foods and spices and, you know, music, of course, and all that good stuff. So I always loved music and I would, you know, like I said, look around and see what's missing. So when I was living in New York City at the time, um, I just noticed it was like a baby boom. There was strollers everywhere. Like, you notice sometimes how when you're walking down the street and there's like stroller traffic, you know? (laughs) And so it was just like, I didn't have a kid or anything, but I I was attuned to it because I guess maybe my nieces and I would kick it with them. And so I would just see all these strollers everywhere. And I thought, wow, like there's a lot of kids around here. And then Mm -hmm. I would talk to moms sometimes and I would take my nieces to the park and just chat with moms on the park benches. And they would tell me how they go to these classes. And so Um, I would ask them what they liked about them, what they didn't like about them. And that's where I got the idea, just sort of like market research, right? Like if you Mm -hmm. have a business idea, start asking people questions to see like, how might you be a solution to the problem? So a lot of these moms would say like, yeah, we need to fill our time with classes. We want our children to have, you know, enrichment. And so they would tell me how they go to these language classes and they were okay. And they would go to these music classes and they're okay. So I went once to a music class that was just in English And I thought, wow, like this is cute, but it's sort of like a very gringo experience. You know, like if you add language to this, then it becomes educational entertainment. And that's awesome, right? So I pulled from my upbringing and I was like, well, even though I don't have kids, I mean, I was a kid once, right? I remember what was fun. So I started, you know, writing songs and researching like different rhymes and children's activities and thinking, how can I put language and music together to create this amazing experience for children to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gone home to LA to visit my mom and my dad, and I was telling my mom the story, and I was like, I have this idea. I think I want to try, you know? Like, we teach the kids Spanish, and we can do different languages. We also offer French and Mandarin Chinese, and it could be through this really exploratory, play-based, fun, musical manner, right? And she was just like, you're going to do this. Like, we're going to find a way. Like, you have to do this. You know, we moved to this country and we struggled to make something happen. And this is your moment. Like, you're, we're going to find a way. And I just feel, you know, my mom would always say, querer es poder. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to find a way to do this, you know? So, you know, when she just looked at me, I was, I felt like, oh, wow, like, I'm going to do this, you know, sometimes it just takes for that one person to look at you in the face and believe in you. And, and that will propel you to make it happen. And if you don't have that, I always say, just look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself you could do it and let's make it happen, you know? And from there, you know, it was a kind of difficult way to start without having experience, but I looked for programs and just like free entrepreneurship courses from the city of New York. And I signed up for everything that I could find And uh, slowly, slowly, I got some business training from those classes and I was able to really understand, oh, wait, this idea, it's actually a scalable business. Mm -hmm. Because one thing is starting a business. Another thing is growing a business, Mm -hmm. right? It's two different skill sets. And so, you know, I really believe that we can train ourselves to figure out so many things, right? And um, I was able to, to figure out, out so much thanks to the, to the kindness and grace of entrepreneurship teachers who showed me 
that being a good businesswoman is an art form, right? And that's hustle, girl. I had to figure it out step by step. And yeah, like you hustled because your first three clients were, you know, two of them were your nieces. Non-paying, yeah. Non-paying. <laughs> and the other one, I guess, was another child that, you know, you met their mom in the park while you were with your nieces, you know? Yeah, passing out flyers, yeah. like analog version. <laughs> <laughs> so it was obviously not giving up in that moment and then continuing to hustle, continuing to do the research, the work, developing that skill of an entrepreneurship. You know, when you talk about that moment of like, not giving up, giving it your all to those three clients, those three kids wanting to learn, wanting to have fun, and then just making it grow. Because I feel that's a lot for fat. When you're doing a service that is like very family-based, if one family loves you, they will, it's going to be a word of mouth. So I imagined when you gave your all to these three children, if you started spreading the world, the word of bilingual birdies, how was that journey like? Yes. So in the beginning, um, you know, I, I was very enthusiastic and that's how I got people to come to the door by sort of passing out flyers and inviting them to come over and try a class. And it was so interesting to see like my own way of, of like defining business, right? Mm-hmm. So I would sign up for these classes and they would be like, okay, like let's take a review of what your personality type is. Are you more aggressive? Are you more like adaptable? Are you more accommodating? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, just show me like how to make money, you know, like show me like, show me how, like, what is an Excel spreadsheet? How do I add this, these numbers up to like make it make sense? Because Mm -hmm. I know I'm offering something really great and super wonderful for children to expand their minds and grow, but I don't know how to make money out of it. So like, I need you to show me that other side of it. Right. Like I have the like artistic aspect of it really done well, but not the like analytical side. And when they kept asking me to sort of go within and figure out things about my personality, I was always kind of confused at first, you know, Um, because I'm like, no, just give me those like hardcore skills of like what, how to run a business. And then I realized that actually running a business has not that much to do with those skills because you usually hire people to do things for you, like accountant and bookkeeper and stuff like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and in my opinion, becoming a good business person has everything to do with your ability to be overly motivated all the time to be able to believe in yourself and to sustain the passion for your project long enough to see progress and to share that excitement with others in a way that is authentic and true yeah. so that you could start to see results. Right. And I think that for me personally, you know, it was hard, you know, when, when you first start, you get a lot of no's, right. And you get a rejection and you're like, let's say I was trying to find a space to host my classes. Right. So I'd call up all these places and they'd be like, no, and no, 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 no. And I heard no so many times. And I'm like, wow, why is this so difficult? I'm just trying to get like one like dance studio or a yoga studio or like a little after school place to like host me, you know? And I remember I called like 10 places on a list that I had. They all said no. And I was just like, like, this sucks. So I just had like a little cry about it. And then I got back up and I took a deep breath and I made that 11th phone call. And then they said, yes, come on down for a meeting. And it was like a, like a community center and they were going to give me a space, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like this thing of self-motivation is also not something that we know intrinsically without being like Mm -hmm. guided into it. Right. So the things that have worked for me, you know, have been meditation If you don't know how to meditate, you can just go onto YouTube and look up free videos about meditation. 
Um, I write down positive affirmations in the morning, you know, like I can do this. I am smart. I, I'm a good businesswoman. You know, I'm good at negotiations. I know how to manage people. Like, you know, the answers will come to me when I don't know them. I'll have trust in the process. And I write down like all the things that I know will help me to feel confident to go out and crush it. Right. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, make sure to work out and do yoga and all these things like Zumba. That's just like fun, play music, dance in the house, you know, cause you want to approach things with a joyful effort and keep it light because things start to go wrong and you get frustrated and it's like, that's okay. You know, but as long as you have the tools to sort of build it back up again, then you're good until yes. things fall down again. And then you use your tools to build it back up again. Right. So, um, yeah, for sure. Meditation, yoga. I've had therapy in times in the past that has been helpful. Um, exercising and really uh, being able to take nature walks. I tell you, girl, like you just yes. go walking in a tree-lined street and you see trees and green and it really shifts your mindset. If you can get down to the beach, like I'm so lucky to live close to the beach. It really is like a mental massage, right? And you realize mm-hmm. like how small you are in this world and you know, it's okay. You can make a big impact, but just take a deep breath and reapproach it with a, with a new mindset. Because exactly. if you can do that, I think you're going to be really successful. Yeah. That's so true. I mean, you know, in those moments of not feeling motivated and being continuously being said no to, you have those moments of like, you know, when am I going to get my break? You know, when am I going to get the opportunity that yes, right? And I feel like you writing down those affirmations and then looking back like, oh, I went through this and I've been said no so many times, but I've overcame, you know, and now it's just like you're in three different countries. It's like, it's amazing. Like you looking back, you're like, whatever comes your way, you know, you can overcome it because you just went through many experiences that helped you become stronger more knowledgeable of what your business is, how to deliver it to young children. So obviously in the beginning, it was finding these physical spaces of educating children. How was that transition like to making it digital in the format and really establishing it with what it is today? Because I imagine obviously since 2006, it it was a journey of like, you know, evolution, being evolving and changing and adapting. And they feel like many entrepreneurs or many people that in their lives, you know, they, they stick to that path of that plan, that planning. And they don't like see how many other different paths can take to the same result or a result that is even better that can in the end fulfill the mission that you have for your business, for your life, career, etc. Yes. So um, COVID has definitely changed the game for all of us. It's such a difficult Mm -hmm. time for so many people. I think it is, you know, there's 40 million jobs lost, um, you know, economic crisis coming, right? Uh, Everything, racial injustice going on to no end, it seems. And it's just the, the children going to school, not going to school, all this stuff, right? It's a very stressful time for so many people. It's a very hard time for, um, entrepreneurs, I think too. Right. And we used to offer these classes that were all in person Mm -hmm. and it's super fun. Right. You remember the the hugs and kisses, (laughs) like, you know, like when you'd go and see people and do things in person. So we can't do that right now. Right. Uh, And a lot of places. So 
we have shifted the model to be all online. And something that I've noticed, which is actually a little light for us in this dark time, um, is that with so many people who've lost their jobs, they're looking for a way to bring income into their homes, right? And entrepreneurship, I really believe, is the answer because not a lot of big companies are hiring people right now, right? So we have created an opportunity uh, where you can become a bilingual birdies licensee. And that is all done um, online. And so the way it works is if you're bilingual and you speak Spanish or French or Mandarin and you love children and you're looking for a way to earn money from home, you can become a teacher and you can start your own bilingual birdies business in your area and launch classes to earn money and teach kids on Zoom. And that is really cool because with only a couple hours a week, you can earn $1,000 a month and start making money and market these classes to your friends and family and enroll students and teach them Spanish online, right? And it's all from home. So like, it's really cool because let's say you have a job and you want a side hustle. This could be a good thing you could do like Saturday morning classes, or let's say you don't have a job and you need to build up your business like somehow and you don't know what to do. Like this could be a good way. We provide all of the infrastructure needed. Um, we train you on how to teach the classes. We give you your own website and marketing materials. Um, you get a business boot camp, and then you get monthly curriculum every month, right? Mm -hmm. And so it only costs $75 a month, and people for $75 a month can have their own business called Bilingual Birdies with Bren in Orange County or whatever, mm -hmm. you know? And that could be super cool, right? So you could start earning money. And I think that the time we're living in, COVID has really, you know, propelled the the potential of of this for so many because i'll tell you i've always been extremely passionate about children and educating them and meaningful ways and alternative ways of learning and cultural content for kids and as we started hiring teachers in new york city i became really excited about employment right and creating jobs for you know super interesting musical bilingual people you don't have to be a musician but a lot of the people were musicians at the time and um, providing employment for them, right? And then now that we're in this situation that we're living in, I'm all about entrepreneurship, you know? Like I wanna leverage all of the 13 years that I've built and give it to someone else so that they can take advantage of that knowledge and mistakes and successes and failures and educational growth that I've had as a result and use it so they can start a business and bring money for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. and continue to ignite a bilingual education movement in their community. I mean, how cool is that, right? So I'm really excited about how technology has helped us to do all of that because you just go online and apply and you upload a little video of yourself, you know, showing that you speak the language and you can sing a little bit. You don't need to be a singer, you know, but you're fun and musical and you have a good vibe. And then we basically approve you and you start your business and you get all the tools needed and we provide you even a platform for enrolling parents and getting all that good stuff going. And then as the parents start to enroll, we have products for them and the kids get really excited. They all get their own puppet. Um, and you're, you will become a business owner and you mm -hmm. will be successful because we'll support you every step of the way. So Technology has enabled us to do that. I'm so excited about the people that are coming through the door. I just had a training session with a couple of girls, one in Texas near Dallas. Um, she's, her parents are from Mexico and she has a kid and she really wants to, you know, 
uphold her cultural heritage and share with her community um, in Rockwell, Texas. And we'll be starting bilingual birdies there. And then also another girl in um, St. Louis, Missouri. And she's from Venezuela and she actually has a job. And this is like a side hustle for her because mm -hmm. she really likes it and she wants to share her culture, right? And so just being able to meet these female entrepreneurs, I say female because most of them have been female, but we also have some male uh, entrepreneurs that are starting bilingual birdies in their areas. Um, it, for me, it's just so wonderful and inspiring to see other people who want to go out there and crush it and just need a little mm -hmm. bit of help to like figure out a few things, which I'm happy to provide. So I'm excited about it. That's wonderful. And just having those training sessions of just listening to, you know, their questions, you know, why they want to do this. And they just also just building their own lives and you helping them along the way, you know, providing these 13 years of experiences, of lessons, so they can, you know, avoid those hurdles that, you know, you experience so they can like have a much more smoother path in growing their, you know, entrepreneur life. And you know, earlier in the conversation, you said how when you were entering in this entrepreneurship programs, you were wanting to develop the technical business side of things. I, but I imagine what you're experiencing now as an entrepreneur that you're, you have to be like hands on, you know, face to face, it, even in the digital space with your employees and fellow instruct, instructors. How was those experiences like in the, pre, um, in the entrepreneurship programs? of developing these skills because it's important to know the business side of it. But like you said, those skills of knowing how to, I guess, manage a team and really going out there and selling your vision and the mission of your business to others. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I recommend entrepreneurship classes to everybody who is interested in learning about business. I would say one of the most, uh, you know, pivotal moments for me was understanding negotiations mm -hmm. and how to talk about money because we all sort of stress out a little bit when it comes to talking about money, right? Like I love the children. I love teaching about the classes, but the second I got to kind of negotiate and be like, Hey, yeah, it's going to cost like $2,000 a month or whatever. You know, if I'm, we make partnerships with schools, for example, mm -hmm. right? So if I got to make a partnership with the school, I have to give them a price, let them know this is how many times a week we're going to service the children. This is how many classes. So, you know, there's a process there and I could do the whole pitch, but when it came to the money and they'd be like, oh, well, how much is it? I would be like, oh, well, um, like, uh, you know, and I never like, how much can you afford? I don't know. Like, you know, like I knew how much I needed to make to cover mm -hmm. my costs and everything and create a profit, but I was always very sort of nervous about it. Right. I think a lot of us can relate to that. So I had to really get good at figuring out what is this negotiations thing? How can I explain my pricing? And how can I succeed with this, right? So that I can grow my business. And um, I realized that through the good grace of having an amazing negotiations teacher, a woman by the name of Maury Taheripour, uh, she taught me exactly how to do an opening offer, have a target, understand what is my bottom line, you know, and, and, and build a relationship with people so that they could understand the value of what it is that I'm bringing to the table, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that a lot of us sometimes will tend to go small, you know, and it's just kind of yes. like, oh, well, like, whatever you want to pay, like, whatever you think is fair, you know, whatever you want to pay. And it's like, no, girl, I have hardcore costs I got to pay for. You know, I have, I, I'm running a business. I have a team. Things cost money, right? And it's not a nonprofit organization, right, which is run in a different way. So 
I know what I need to charge. And what I've learned to do is review the value of what I'm bringing to the table, you know, mm-hmm. and, and decide what is a fair price and figure out how I can communicate that based on building a relationship with the person that I'm selling to so that they understand and can fall in love with what it is that I'm offering, right? Exactly. And contrary to popular belief that you got to be like a hard negotiator to get the best deal, you know, um, my teacher showed me that it's all about, you know, showing your vulnerability and making a personal connection and sharing your story so that people can understand who you are and what it is that you're going to be offering. So there's a book that I recommend, um, which my mentor wrote, my, my entrepreneurship teacher. It's called Bring Yourself by Maury Taharipur. And it's um, how to harness the power of connection to negotiate fearlessly. And I would recommend for anyone who has to have conversations in their business about money, or if you're thinking about starting a business and you don't know how to approach the pricing and the conversation about how to sell, that would be a great place for you to, to start because I'm just so grateful. I learned a lot about how to make it happen through, through this type of doing business, right? Yes, excellent. I'm, yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you. You know, in order to, I feel in order to negotiate with someone, you have to be, that it has to be your ideal client, that person that is in love with what you're doing and knows the value that you're bringing to the table. That's like, that's the first step. You know, in your experience, can you share with us maybe moments where you negotiated with that person, the ideal client, where you're on the same page? What were the words that you said to negotiate the price that you wanted, you know, with a, with a school or with a program, with a, with, a, with a family, parent? What were those words, you know, not maybe go too much into detail, but, you know, what, how was that um, experience like? Sure. So I can give you one example. Um, Once I went into a school and uh, it was run by a woman that was Russian. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not Russian. I've never been to Russia. I don't know much about, about Russian anything. Right. And she told me that she'd been running the school, you know, for quite some time and it was a very nice preschool. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, tell me about like, how long have you been, you know, the director here? She's like, Oh, I started this, uh, you know, five years ago and it's been going good. We've been growing ever since. And I was like, Oh, so you started it. You're an entrepreneur. That's so cool. I'm an entrepreneur too. So tell me more, you know? And I'm like, why did you get the idea? How did you get the idea to start this? She was like, Oh, well actually, um, my grandmother was, uh, you know, had a preschool like back in Russia and she sort of did this thing with children. So I always thought it was cool what she did and that encouraged me. And that's kind of how I got the idea. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then as the conversation started going on, I realized my grandmother had a preschool in Sonora in Mexico, Mm -hmm. my mom's mom. Right. And that's how she brought money to the family. She had among other millions of other amazing projects that she did, but she had a little preschool in the house, you know, and I, I never got to see it, but my mom would always tell me about it, you know? And I was like, wow, that's so cool. So then at some point in my conversation with this woman, I told her about that. I was like, oh, it's so funny. You know, my, my grandmother also had a preschool, right? So we started to build this relationship, right? We had, suddenly had a commonality. We're not from the same culture. We, we were not even of the same age, you know, but we, we built a, a similarity there. And she was like, what? That's so cool. You know, we totally vibed off of that and had a connection, right? And so from there, the negotiation starts because you're starting to understand who is this person I'm selling to. And they sort of start to fall in love with your story. You fall in love with their story. And by the end of it, they want to do business with you, right? Mm-hmm. So like 
they, they, they're so excited about you and what it is that you're bringing to the table that you could pretty much say whatever price you need to say. And even if they don't have the budget, they want to find a way to help you out, you know, and everyone asks for a discount, of course, you know, no matter who you are. So I, I sort of have all that arrangement built into the pricing already. And I just tell them, how close can you come to this number? You know, this is, this is what it costs. Um, and it's gone really well so far. And because I'm genuinely curious about other people, I've learned a lot. Sometimes there's no deal and, you know, that's okay. But um, I, I would say that if you do the, the work to sort of build the relationship before you drop the amount that you need, it is so much better because once you start talking money, it's like very like little places you can go from there. But if you yes. sort of built a rapport beforehand, they want to help you out when you get to that point. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, definitely makes sense. Yes. And, you know, that having that mentor in your life that really taught you that and actually you connecting, you know, how, creating these connections with these people helps you even further it. And I really encourage my listeners to just surround themselves or even like look around because we all have that person, right. That is open to sharing these information like you are, you know, I imagine, you know, the young entrepreneurs in the training programs, you're, you're giving back as how, you know, your mentor gave back to you. And I'm really curious, you know, how was that experience of you searching these entrepreneurship awards and, you know, winning them and, you know, gaining these prizes, you know, obviously you researched, you were open to looking and finding these opportunities. How was that like being accepted? Um, next, that experience, did you, were you competing against some other businesses? Like what were the, um, each, I guess, challenges that they pose so you can win these and then ultimately win the prize? How was that like? Yeah. So first of all, I say apply for everything because mm -hmm. you never know, you might actually win. Like, I mean, I was that girl back in the day, like on like the phone, calling the radio station, trying to win the concert <laughs> tickets to whatever, you know, and I never won. And I was always like, oh, like I would always like drop my little business card and like the fishbowl and hope to like get the free iPad or whatever, you know, and it's like so frustrating, right? But um, I applied to a bunch of things that I could find that were just from like YMCA or, mm -hmm. you know, the public library or like the city of New York. And I would apply to all the programs that I could find that were free. Right. And if you look, there are programs out there. And I for for the first one, it was a business plan competition. So how was the process? The process was I went to class every day. I wrote down exactly everything that my teacher said. I really started applying it to my business the next day because I had already started at that point and had like no clue what I was doing. And then I locked myself in my bedroom for like four days and I wrote that business plan and like I didn't go out of the house. I just would go get food and come back and make it happen. And um, I was up against other young people that had started businesses and were all really fantastic. And I was so excited when I won. I just couldn't believe it, you know? Um, but it was really because I made it my part-time job basically to mm -hmm. figure out what entrepreneurship is and how are, are you able to sort of, you know, apply things to your actual business at the time, you know, but I really, really studied it. I, I would say, like I said, I, I believe being a good businesswoman is an art form in the same way that a violinist would train eight hours a day to be a professional musician you have to train. It's not always about working in your business. You want to work on your business, exactly. find the time to work on your business. Right. So that was really exciting that the other entrepreneurship prize that I won was a pitch competition. And what I did to prepare for that was, um, 
I recorded myself doing the pitch. Um, you know, I mapped it all out. I would listen because I'm very stream of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would recommend if you're kind of like me, you just you go on and on and on sometimes, right? You record it on your cell phone and then listen to it. And then from there, I would transcribe it and write it down and then cross out points that didn't make sense and highlight points that did and built an outline and really like developed the speech of what I wanted to explain. And I practiced it and I just did every night five times, you know, for a couple of weeks. And I think that practice makes perfect you know mm-hmm. like it's just back to basics you know like you really went you you know even when I would do pitches like getting ready to go and talk to a school director or mm-hmm. you know selling to moms for our, like mommy and me classes you know I would write it down and practice it because if you don't practice it like sometimes it's just kind of hard to get the words in your mouth and figure out how to explain what you want to say like that 60 second elevator pitch like in the beginning I would kind of like stutter you know I didn't really know how to like explain well it's like a foreign language and live music and it's super fun and the kids learn and blah 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 and it's like what you know like it's a bilingual education program where the children learn a second language it's super fun they all learn through music and movement and puppets like you want to be able to say it calmly and confidently and smile, you know, like that helps and, and believe it. Right. So that does come through practice. I would say we see things online all the time that look effortless and that video that you're seeing that looks like it was done in two seconds is probably shot like 14 times ahead of time, you know, so if, if not more, um, but yeah, practice makes perfect. Yes. And it all goes back to what you said, you know, putting the time on your business, you know, doing that pitch is you taking the time those four days like you said like building your business plan it's going back recording yourself and really having very clear of what you're selling what your business is who your ideal client is and then just practicing and practicing and practicing you gave us tips earlier you know what you did can go deeper on being crystal clear on the pitch because it's so like you said what you look in the video that it's so natural I think it's so true. Like it was, I imagine like hours of making it seem that natural. So let's go deeper on that and having in your experience that crystal clear, clear pitch. Okay. So when you're going to pitch whatever your product or service is, you always have benefits and then you have features, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would say focus on the benefits. So what is the difference between the two, right? So let's say I have a cell phone, right? And I'm like, hey, look at my cell phone. I'm going to sell this iPhone to you, right? So um, it's two inches by four inches and it's um, color gold and it holds, I don't know, 15,000 songs and it holds 25,000 photos and it has email and internet. Isn't it cool? So this is how much it costs. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that's when you're focusing on the features, right? Mm -hmm. But if I were to tell you about the benefits, it's like, hey, this is my cell phone. It's super cool. Have you seen the new iPhone? Yeah, it's smaller than the previous iPhone. So it fits right here in my pocket. It's super convenient. And like, it holds all these songs. So when I go to parties, I'm my own personal DJ, like right there. And I totally get the party like popping, right? Because I have all my music in here. And then it has photos. And inside, like it holds so many photos. Like I can show you my trip to Kenya from 2014. Do you want to see it? Look, look at these elephants. Isn't it so cool? Oh, it's magical, you know, and it's gold, my favorite color. So like every time I see it, I get really excited because it's gold Did I mention gold is my favorite color. It's so cool that they offer gold, you know? So do you see the difference? Like one is just straight up like facts and the other one is linked to emotion and excited and it shows like, how is it enriching someone's life? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're going to the pitch, you want to explain like, 
it, there, there are features, yeah, but there's also benefits, right? So I would say yes. definitely find a way to focus on the benefits, align your customers' goals with your goals, and really understand who your target market is so that you could speak to what their pain points are. Yes, yes, definitely having that experience, you know. You, Bilingual Burgers is a, a business that ultimately the experience has to be fun for the children. So selling it with the benefits, it's so crucial in that sense. So thank you for sharing, you know, obviously I got, you know, the differences and everything. I hope my listeners did as well. And I want to go deeper now on, you know, you yourself bootstrapped your business. You know, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs and they did many different things. And I want to know about your experience. How was that like? Because you also, for the year of being a waitress, you pulled in that money and you uh, invested it in your business. How was it bootstrapping? What did you have to do? And now, how was that transition of not bootstrapping? And now during COVID, what's, what's different? What has changed in terms of investment? Yeah. So listen, I believe in bilingual birdies so much mm-hmm. that I will do whatever it takes to make it succeed. I want children to have a space where they are celebrated, where diversity is celebrated, your authentic true self can be shared, and people can learn about languages and cultures, and educators can share their languages and cultures, right? So in the beginning, like, I would work around the clock, right? You want to talk about investment, it's not just money, it's time, right? Mm-hmm. Time is money. So I would work all the time in the beginning, weekends, and just, you know, fix the curriculum, go out and find parents. I would post some, you know, different places to find parents online and try to spread the word as best as I could. Um, and I was really excited about teaching the classes too, because it's super fun, right? Like one side is the business side, but we haven't talked so much about like actually being in the classroom, which is such an extremely joyful experience, right? So seeing all the children light up and when they learn new words and, you know, just kind of run around and sing and dance and all that, it was so much fun. So it was really my honor to, to develop uh, my business in the beginning, especially, right? Um, it was hard because focus of time is mm-hmm. always an issue. We're always being pulled in many directions, right? Um, I invested all of my tip money into my business and I made sure to be very um, scrappy. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. overspend, you know, like I remember in the beginning, I had a bunch of friends like, you know, that were spending money on things like going and getting manicures and going out and dinners. And I couldn't, you know, I had to save my money to pay teachers, right. I had to plan Mm -hmm. my life out in a little bit of a different way. So, um, which it's okay because, you know, when you're young at that time, you don't, you're not used to having super nice things yet, you know, because you're just getting, getting your career going. Right. So it was all good, but um, whenever I made a little bit of money, I would invest it back into the business, right? So luckily because of that, I never had to take um, investment from outside uh, people, right? Which for me has been a blessing because I can, you know, build my business in the way that works for my life. Um, but yeah, you, I was just been very careful with saving, not overspending and being able to see long and far, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anybody can kind of come up with an idea and make it pop quickly, but to be in the game over time, right? And build a legacy, which is what I'm aiming to do and continue doing is really important, you know, and, and being okay with starting and not having it be perfect in the beginning, right? Because it's like, now we have all these like, I mean, I can show you, like we have puppets, right. And like dolls. And it's like, 
you know, hola, <laughs> this is Biko Birdie, right? So it's a bright blue puppet bird and he comes on and, you know, says hi to the children. He only speaks Spanish and, you know, everybody's encouraged to learn Spanish so they want to communicate with Biko and he comes like, hola, como están? You know, and it's super fun. Um, everybody gets like a big kick out of it. Uh, but in the beginning, we didn't have branded toys mm -hmm. and we didn't have branded puppets and, you know, original music just yet. Like, it was, it was more of like step one, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think you got to be okay with starting somewhere, right? I knew ultimately I want to grow this into a big brand and be the solution for bilingual education, right? Mm -hmm. um, and have, if you have a kid under six, you, I want you to have heard of bilingual birdies. Like I always knew that like there's potential here, you know, but you got to start somewhere. So investing a little bit at a time and being okay with, you know, step one, and then you go to step two, right? And then you produce an album of original music and how cool is that, right? And then you save a little bit and then you, you know, I couldn't create four albums all at the same time, right? You're gonna do one and then you go to the next one, right? And the next one will be better mm -hmm. and you keep going. And so ultimately, and then you have t-shirts and then, you know, I know you've made stickers of AS, you know, and like, so cool. You didn't have that day one, you know? It's like, it takes time to sort of ramp up. And I think mm -hmm. in terms of investing time and money and focus, um, it also goes very much hand in hand with like not getting discouraged that it can't be bigger than where you want it to be right off the bat, because mm -hmm. hopefully your time in business will be long and you will be able to look back and be like, oh, wow, that's back when I had a logo that was like with, you know, the, like when I first started, my logo was like with Comic Sans font, you know, <laughs> and it was just like, like, I didn't know, you know, and I paid my, my friend from college to draw the logo and, you know, we got it going. I was in business, but like over time, like she helped me to then elevate the brand, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, it's just like when you make a website and then a couple, you know, months or a couple years later, you get a little bit more money and you want to rebrand your website, you know, mm -hmm. and it's cool. And th that should be an exciting process, right? I really believe you should enjoy the process because there are lots of failures along the way. And I can tell you more about that. Um, but it, you shouldn't be afraid of those things, you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. And be open to, you know, you can't do everything at once. Like you said, you know, you have to be open to doing step one, perfecting that step one in order to take it to the next level of your business. And I imagine, you know, Yes, you missed out on experiences, but ultimately, you know, it has given you so much more out of it. You know, you see those smiling faces of these children, you know, having fun and learning a language and just being in that moment of learning and not having them not know that they're learning and just having fun. So I want to know, you know, what were those lessons learned? You know, those tough times that, you know, we talked about it earlier in the conversation, you felt like, you know, a lot of, a lot of no's and, you know, but when was that moment when you felt like, you know, how can I go on? Or you, maybe you made a mistake, but now that you look back, it's a lesson learned that you, you, that you share with other entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Um, I learned from my failures. You know, a lot of people like to talk about their successes, but um, for me, every time that we sort of crashed and burned, you know, mm -hmm. like I remember in the beginning, like I said, I didn't have a lot of money to buy you know, professional musician style instruments for the children. You know, I just would get it from like cheaper websites because that's all I could afford, right? And so it's like in the beginning, I remember we had these like little egg shakers and the kids would we'd pass them out and like, 
once like I was teaching a class and we were teaching about farm animals and we know, okay, la vaca dice this, or la, los pollitos, everything was going good. And then all of a sudden I see this little eight month old baby put a, put a uh, shaker, I put a little egg shaker into her mouth and it started disappearing. And I was like, oh my God, like this baby, she's going to choke and die right in the middle in front of all of us. And this is going to be so terrible, you know? And eventually I was like, I stopped the class and I told her mom and she popped the, the little shaker out and the whole thing exploded. And there was all these little like pellets everywhere. And I was like, okay, this is like, definitely a failure you know like I learned my lesson you cannot buy cheap instruments like we have to find a way to rebudget the money somehow mm -hmm. so that I can get better quality things you know but you don't learn that stuff unless you're on the job right mm -hmm. and so it's through experience um, for me what made me to sort of power through in those hard times was to get a few of those under my belt and see like, okay, no pasa nada, I didn't die. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. all good. Like, it was sad. It was frustrating. It was embarrassing. Shame. Okay. But here I am, you know, the next day, one foot in front of the other, we keep going. And I think to be in business for that long, 13 years, you know, like, and to have not quit, it really shows how much I believe in the mission, you know, mm -hmm. to hold the flag for children in diversity. I will do this forever. I feel like it is that important to me to, to celebrate, right? Diversity and share about this stuff and let them know we're here, you know? Soon, actually, Latinos are going to be the majority, right? Yes. Like, how exciting is that? The future is bilingual, right? And so this is, this is what's up. People need to, to understand, you know? Like, this is happening and we can do this in one of two ways. We can do this, you know, celebrating and excited or we can do this kicking and screaming you know let's let's bring the joy and do it in a positive way so mm -hmm. every time I had a failure I would just hold that vision of you know light and love and we're sharing this because it's positive and I would just keep going you know and I saw that yes you fail and you learn and fail fast you know get out there fail fast get up and keep it moving exactly and you you know you shared this experience with these children you know obviously it was a lesson learned you know, you, you come out of it stronger knowing now, like, okay, adjusting your budget because, you know, you're, you're working with children. Everything has to be safe for them. But can you also share those moments where that you just felt like, okay, I am fulfilling my mission. I am fulfilling what I had envisioned before starting bilingual birdies. And now I'm here with these children and like the work is being demonstrated right in front of my eyes. You know, those moments, how can you share a couple of those? And now I guess, how has those moments changed now that it's virtual? Yeah. So I can give you two examples. Um, specifically in the classroom, um, I popped in to uh, see a Mandarin class um, uh, a couple of years ago and it was in um, Jamaica, Queens, which is close to uh, JFK Airport in New York City. And it was an all black and Latino classroom, right? Reflects the neighborhood. And this school, when they had called, they were like, okay, yeah, we have a, you know, a grant. We have like some money from the city and we want to get enrich your enrichment services. And I was like, okay, cool. So um, do you want Spanish? And they were like, no, we want Mandarin. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, you want Mandarin? And she was like, yeah, we know those kids in Manhattan are learning Mandarin, and we want our children to have that same uh, bilingual advantage. Mm -hmm. I was like, no problem. We're going to set you up with a Mandarin teacher. So they had been doing their Mandarin classes for a couple of months, and I got to take a look. And when I saw that entire classroom singing in Mandarin Chinese, it was a true moment of like, wow, this, 
this dream that I had manifested, you know, and this is cross-cultural awareness, you know, at the max, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just so cool, you know, to see the teacher in there and, you know, he's, he's from the neighborhoods, you know, he's got his Nikes on and the kids are there and they got like, they, you know, they got their like hip clothes or whatnot. And it's like same, same, but different, right? He's from China, you know, and they're all from their different places and everybody looks different, but they are in an experience where they have built a bridge and they're learning from one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so cool, you know, so many laughter and giggles and everybody was happy. And I'm like, yeah, this thing's working, you know, like this, it actually works, you know, like this is so cool. So I love those moments. And then another one is just this morning, you know, when I had the training session with these two ladies who are launching their bilingual birdies business and Rockwell, Texas near Dallas, a place I've never been to and St. Louis, Missouri, another place I've never been to, you know, with these girls who basically found us one through Instagram, the other one through a podcast. And I was like, wow, like they're so cool. And just being on the call with them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we all have like brown wavy hair, you know, and I was like, they're all Latina and they're, they are wanting to share their language with their community, like so, so badly, you know, and, and, and I find that fascinating. Like, wow, we have like, there's no accidents. Like there was a reason why we all met, you know, Mm -hmm. and you know, technology might have been the, the, the way in which we were brought together, you know, but they're about to go out and start a business and ignite a bilingual education movement in their community. I mean, in St. Louis, girl, I never thought in a million years that that was going to happen, you know? And so that's so cool, you know, like to be able to connect with people who believe in this and who also want to create an extra income for their mm-hmm. family is is really amazing. So those kinds of experiences, um, it makes me feel like this is my honor to do this work. Yes. Just, just really going deep on the work. Having bilingual children, multilingual children, I believe helps them to be more kind, you know, because children can be cruel and, you know, they can learn from parents or family members that are close-minded and have you know, racist thoughts and beliefs and, but being open to another language, their culture, and just being able to make, you know, that contact and those relationships with other people, just, I believe will make a better future and like the future that we definitely need right now. And also, I remember that you saying before, you were so focused on being part of the Courtney's and the Kimberly's. But now, through Bilingual Birdies, you're creating these powerful connections with these young Latino entrepreneurs. And you're, you're like doing the work for the current generation and the generation that is coming. So I think that's something to be proud of and that we shouldn't really stop. And, you know, I, it makes me like feel happy and just like uh, calm that like, okay, we're like, we're doing the work, like the work is coming and like, you know, Latinos and other, you know, my um, communities are just being proud of who they are and just opening the doors. It's so cool. I mean, yeah, it is so cool to see, you know, people want to celebrate it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, this is who I am. I want to show everyone like this girl Nieves in, in, in St. Louis, like she is an immigrant. Okay. She moved here in high school from Venezuela and she was telling me about the community in St. Louis and how 
you know, there's a lot of children there and she wants to share her language and culture. She has a full-time job, but this is going to be her side hustle. And I, I thought like, wow, like you, you're not even a mom. Like you, you don't even have kids. You're not even in the kid world, you know, but you want to do this because you believe that much of, about how important it is to share. Like this is your own personal peace mm-hmm. protest almost like starting this, this business in your community, you know? And then Rosa, the girl in, in Rockwell, Texas, like she has a baby and, you know, he's half Mexican and half white, but she was telling me like, no, I want this kid to be able to communicate with his grandmother in, in Spanish, you know, and to communicate with his own grandchildren someday mm-hmm. in Spanish. And how awesome is that, you know? And like, and I want to create this space where other children can do the same thing and teach everyone about how cool this is, you know? And it really makes me feel like, yes, by the time kids get to kindergarten, they are not going to be racist because they had a positive introduction to a love of language learning early on. And that is awesome, you know? So it, it really gives me hope. I have to say this work gives my life so much hope and purpose and meaning. And I just, um, I, wa- I, I would love to share that with other people who are looking for a purpose in their lives and want to transform their community and earn money from home doing that. Yeah. And you, know, you shared with us how you're transforming now people's lives through the times of COVID, right? And how, what do you recommend to entrepreneurs that are either starting their business or they're, you know, one, two, three years into it and then it's COVID hit, you know, no one was expecting this. Um, what do you recommend or actions you recommend them to do now? And I guess also what type of mindset do you also take in during these hard times to just power through? Because those moments, those experiences that you live are just reminders of like the work that you're doing and cultivating for the future. But, you know, it's, it's like we said, work on educating on your business, but it, it, it's, it's hard during these times so what it's very hard yeah yeah I get it I feel like um look we're all taking decisions without the full information Mm -hmm. right now because nobody really knows how Mm -hmm. it's going to be and no one knows what the new norm is we're definitely not going back to the way it used to be right Mm -hmm. but it'll be a new thing um what I would say to other entrepreneurs who are struggling like we all are you know um is that everything has an end right And so this hard time that we're all living right now, it's not going to be like this forever. We will eventually go to the new norm and see what that's going to be. And we have to remember that, you know, you, in any way that you can pivot your business to be online or to start to use the skill set that you have to serve maybe a new product or service, right? I would say if you're bilingual and you, and you like children, look into bilingual birdies because we provide the infrastructure, of course, and also education is one of those industries that's not going anywhere, right? Like mm-hmm. we've all seen, you know, if anyone has kids or is a teacher, you, you know, we all seen the challenges of what's going on with this, but we're going to have to come up with new ways, right? Humans are extremely resilient and there are all kinds of new problems right now that we're going to have to figure out solutions for. Mm-hmm. So if you're an entrepreneur and you have fine-tuned skill sets, you know, to do Maybe you know how to do shipping, right? And you were shipping certain things and now you realize, okay, everybody needs masks and PPE and all that stuff. And so maybe you can learn how to ship something new, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever your skill set is, I would take a look and see what's missing and see how you might be able to be the solution to that, right? Um, and then to sort of remember that a new day will come, you know, like we got to be positive about that and hopeful for the future um, and see and, and prepare yourself and be ready for when it does come. Um, 
sometimes growth isn't about making money. I know we all got to eat and all that stuff, but sometimes growth is about, you know, um, refining the back end of things. Maybe it's about content creation or systems and operations and making sure those are really streamlined well, right? Um, it's an amazing time for personal development, right? To kind of go within if you can find the time and, and reorganize the way you've been doing things, right? Uh, I, I am hopeful about the future and um, I think we got to do the best, you know, take your break, have your good long cry, and then take a walk and a deep breath and like reapproach it with a new set of eyes. Yeah. And, you know, you are very lucky in having a team. You know, your, your team is here in the U.S. and other countries, like you said, in Venezuela. No, in Mexico City. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you recommend, like, surrounding yourself with the best, with people that, you know, obviously share the same, they have to share the same vision as you, right? And the same passion that they have to teaching children to be multilingual. But you know, maybe our listeners are thinking like, okay, I'm adding someone else on the team. And were you afraid of like maybe delegating or maybe you weren't not maybe like, how was that experience like? And just knowing, you know, these people are the best to be part of my business and to grow further our our mission. Yes. So we know that extraordinary people yield extraordinary results, Mm -hmm. right? That we know. So I think that when you are trying to put something out that is a, a product or service that you really believe in, which hopefully you do, mm-hmm. and in our case, we're dealing with children, right? I'm, I'm not out here selling, you know, water bottles or something, you know, like th- these are young children that are from zero to seven. It's the most formidable time of your life, right? And so we want to set them on the right path. Anybody could go there and sing 10 songs in Spanish and sort of call it a day, Right. But that's not what we're trying to do. We don't want to fake it. You know, we're trying to transform children's lives, right? Open their mind. So for me, it's been also something that I've had to sort of train in and learn how to identify talent, right? Mm-hmm. And um, how to sort of observe the way people work and see where are they high will and where are they low skill and where are they, you know, really high skill and low will, right? Because you approach people in a different way that you're managing like that, right? In the beginning, I didn't have a team. It was just me. So I had to sort of do everything. And as you slowly make a little bit of money, maybe you get like a paid intern in the beginning, you know, and then eventually that might turn into like an assistant. And then slowly you keep going and you get a program coordinator and then you keep going and you get a curriculum specialist and, you know, you start to build team tech team, right? And so it's like you you learn from trial and error, right? I, I, I always say, you know, um, hire slow and fire fast. Okay. Because, you know, the other way around is, is a problem, but, um, you want to, you want to see the, the, the best measure of the future is, mm-hmm. you know, an observation of what's happened in the past. Right. So you want to mm-hmm. ask people the questions to sort of get to know their personality and see, are they high will? Are they low skill? What have they done in the past? Of course. But I, I also think that if people really believe in your mission, you can train them to help you to do a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't have a lot of skills in the beginning, but I had to train and I figured it out. So I'm always looking for people who are really, really excited about it. And maybe they might not know so much about how to run a business. And it's like, it's okay. You know, we'll train you on how to do that. But I need to know that you believe in the mission and that you mm-hmm. get the real intention of what we're trying to do here. Right. Yes. Yes. Like you said, like no one, no one is born an entrepreneur and no one, you know, is born with these skills. You learn it, you know, you develop them, you refine them, but you, you do have to be a believer 
of, of what the mission of like growing this, right? And talking about growing, where do you see, you know, success is different for everyone. You know, what's your version of success and how has that changed in the years? And also I want to ask, where do you see bilingual birdies in five years? Like what, and what are the steps that you're taking to make that happen? Yeah. So for me, a success, um, I measure my success based on how much time I have to enjoy my life. Right. <laughs> um, I have one friend that says, he was like, okay, I know I'm, I'm doing a successful month based on how many times I can go to the movies. If I can see a lot of movies that month, that means I was able to like put everything in order in my business and I can enjoy myself because he loves movies. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is that you like to do, you know, like I have a lot of hobbies outside of work. I make jewelry, you know, I like to, you know, go traveling. Well, not so much right now, but you know, road trips or whatnot. Um, you know, there's, there's like things that I love to be in nature and, you know, just sort of have time to sit and like be playful and, you know, explore my imagination. Um, but if I'm grinding, I don't all the time, I don't have time to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's your right, how you want to live your life. And as long as you get your business set up in a way that will help you to live your life in that way, with peace of mind, I think we're good. So for me, success really is about having time to, you know, be in this life in the way that you want to be in and spend time with the people that you want to spend time with. And, and also to be in a position where you are available for service and to give back. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of really cool give back projects where, you know, we've volunteered to teach English to families like new immigrants and do the same mommy and me experience, but also learn English. We've done a project where we went to Kenya and we worked in a preschool in Kawanguara, Kenya, you know, and these things really, to me, that's true wealth when you're able mm -hmm. to have enough time to pursue projects that are, that are meaningful and important to you. So, um, that would be good. And then what was the second part of your question? I forgot. Yeah, so where do you see bilingual birdies growing in five years? Oh and yeah. What are the steps that you're taking to make that happen. Okay. So in five years, I see bilingual birdies being a name brand for bilingual education. And I think that we're positioning ourselves to inch up to that. Um, I'm really excited about it. I would love to see a bilingual education movement that has been ignited in cities across the country and the globe and um, the future is also about content creation and finding other alternative ways of learning um, I love that this time has given us all this new new like way of, of interacting right and we never would have thought to do so many classes online before right and now it's like we all have this new way of doing it so what else can we push there right so I've been exploring really interesting things in um, augmented reality and I'm excited about the future of those types of stuff and different ways to sort of make learning as enjoyable and engaging and interactive as possible. So yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Yes. And seriously, like, I think one thing has learned is that we are able to pivot, we are able to adapt and that we are able to take advantage of the tools that we have currently, which is technology. And it's like, use it for our, the good of our lives to make it better. Yeah. How empowering is that, right? It's like, oh, okay, what are we going to do now? Well, let's get creative. Like, what can we do, you know? Yeah. And, you know, we've had this wonderful conversation, Sarah. And I want, you know, you have the chance to travel 
back in time when whatever age, you know, knowing what you lived through, you know, that little Sarah that wanted to be fit in and then ultimately her story, her journey, you know, really inspired you to create this wonderful business for young children to feel empowered of their abilities to open their minds, to have fun and create a better future for us and for everyone, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you say to her? Si se puede, like keep going, you know, keep going, get out there, have fun in the process. Don't sweat the small stuff. Money is your friend. Treat it like a good friend and it will stay with you for a long time. Inspiring children's lives at a young age is of some of the most important work anybody can do. We all know now that early childhood education is, is, is an essential, essential thing for society, right? Yes. And you can build things beyond your greatest dreams, you know, if you stay focused and keep going and, and just don't quit, you know, because you have something important to offer and, and you'll find a way. Perfect. And where can our listeners find you? Where can they find Bilingual Birdies? Maybe they're interested in being part of the program. Where can they find that? And where can they follow you? Yeah. So if you are a parent and you're looking for classes for your kids, you can go to BilingualBirdies.com and check out all the different areas in which you can sign up. Um, we have Zoom classes going on, so that's really cool. If you are um, a bilingual person and you're looking for a way to earn money from home um, and build a business, uh, you can go to bilingualbirdies.com forward slash license. And there it explains the entire opportunity and you can apply to launch bilingual birdies in your area and become a teacher. And that's so cool because right now we're all looking for ways to make money, right? It's COVID out there and we want to find a way to push ourselves and continue to grow despite all that's going on. So Um, you can check us out on Instagram at bilingual underscore birdies. Uh, we do giveaways sometimes there for classes and you can see all the value and the exciting things that we're doing, um, going on, uh, on Instagram. And, um, yeah, I, I send us a message, like we'd love to connect. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for listening and watching. I hope you really took a lot of lessons here. You know, Sarah was so open in sharing her information, her journey. And I think we can t definitely take something out of this. And, you know, thank you, Sarah, for your time. You can follow us on Instagram at AS the podcast at e -double -L -A -S, the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn as AS podcast. Follow us there. And we recently have a TikTok. So follow us there at AS the podcast. We share fun and informative tiktoks so you can also listen to a new episode in two weeks if you want to be a guest here email us at as of the podcast at gmail.com that is e double l a s the podcast at gmail.com thank you sarah thank you thank you this is an amazing episode i really enjoyed it and i know my listeners are enjoying it as well so thank you adios adios <laughs> <laughs> If you've been listening to AS for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. AS is produced, hosted, and audio edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimez. Our 
video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This is Say Yes.